How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back to Misconduct. I'm your host, Colleen. Just a quick note, this is the last episode that I will be releasing until November 14th. I'll be using this two and a half month break from releasing episodes because I'll have a lot of upcoming travel for work. And also one of my best friends is getting married in October. uh, So I'm going to take this time off to solely focus on writing. And that's the only update I have for you this week. So with that out of the way, let's get right into this episode. This episode was a case submission recommended by Elizabeth. On April 20th, 2009, Philip Markoff was driving on Highway 95 with his fiancée Megan, and they were both looking forward to getting out of town for a couple of days. They left their Boston-area apartment and began the two-hour drive to the Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. As they approached the state border of Massachusetts and Rhode Island, police lights flashed in their rearview mirror and ordered the couple to pull over. At first, they believed that this was a routine traffic stop, but the police told Philip and Megan that they needed to go with them to the police station. When pressed on why they were being detained, they were told it was because the police had questions about some crimes that had taken place back in Boston, and they believed that Philip could help shed some light. Suddenly, it became very clear that this traffic stop wasn't routine or coincidence at all, but it was actually the result of a carefully coordinated investigation finally honing in on their prime suspect. The Back Bay neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts, is predominantly known for upscale shopping and five-star hotels. But for a brief period in April 2009, residents were terrified after two women were attacked and robbed in hotels in the same week. 
One was able to escape and report the crime to the police, while the other woman was not so lucky. Police noticed stark similarities between the attacks and came to the conclusion that the two crimes were committed by the same person. 29-year-old Trisha Leffler headed to the Weston at Copley Place in Back Bay on April 10, 2009. She was responding to a routine call to a masseuse ad that she had placed on Craigslist and was headed to meet a client. Trisha has since given multiple interviews to news outlets where she outlines how the events of the evening unfolded. Once she was inside the room, everything quickly went sideways. The man that she met pulled out a gun and told her to do exactly as he said. He had come prepared with plastic handcuffs, which he used to tie her up, and he also covered her mouth with tape so she could not scream or call for help. She complied with him, and once she was restrained, the man went through all of her belongings. He stole cash, gift cards, her wallet, and a pair of her underwear, and then left the hotel room with Trisha still tied up inside. Once she felt sure that he had left, she slipped out of the plastic handcuffs and went for help. Several things about this strike me as odd. Mainly, it seems like a lot of trouble to go through just to rob someone of a fairly insignificant amount of money. The MO itself is fairly disturbing and would be extremely traumatic for the victim, even though Trisha escaped relatively physically unharmed. This man held Trisha hostage for some time. Even if it only lasted 15 minutes, that is ample time for Trisha to get a good look at him and get a good idea of his demeanor that could be used to identify him later. If robbery was the only motivation, I would think that there would be other ways to go about it that would involve less of a chance of being caught. Trisha described her attacker as a tall, white, blonde man who was most likely in his early 20s. The police took the report and started the investigation. They were able to pull security footage from the hotel cameras and generate a list of people who were in the hotel around the time of the attack. They used Trisha's description to narrow down the suspects. Barely four days into the investigation, Back Bay saw another hotel robbery, this time at the Marriott, which is just next door to the Westin. The main difference between the two scenes was that in this case, the police were dealing with a homicide. The victim was 25-year-old Julissa Brisman. She lived in New York, where she was completing a certificate in addiction counseling at the City College. Like Trisha, Julissa had also placed an ad on Craigslist advertising masseuse services. She and a friend had arranged the meeting with the client for April 14th, and Jalissa was expected to call the friend after to let her know that the appointment was over and that she was safe. Jalissa never made that call. She was found in the hotel room that she had booked. She had been bound with plastic handcuffs, hit repeatedly, and shot three times. 
It appeared that money and cards were missing from Jalissa's belongings, indicating that she likely had been robbed. According to investigators, Jalissa appeared to have put up a fight. Jalissa's body was found on the floor in the doorway of her room with the plastic ties still on her wrists. The similarities between the two crimes were undeniable. The crime scenes were both at high-end hotels, and these hotels happened to be right next door to each other. The victims were both at the hotels, waiting for someone that they had arranged to meet on Craigslist, and they were both bound with plastic handcuffs and had been robbed. Police pulled security footage from the Marriott and tried to find a suspect matching the description from Trisha's attack. They also turned to Trisha and Jalissa's email accounts. Since the meetings were set up through Craigslist, it would have at least been initiated over email. Then, two days later, on April 16th, in Warwick, Rhode Island, a woman called 911 to report an attempted robbery in a hotel room at the Holiday Inn. The woman had arranged to meet a man on Craigslist, and as soon as he arrived, he pulled a gun on her and tried to bind her hands with plastic ties. While the robbery was in progress, the woman was somehow able to get in front of the open window and signal to someone outside. A man, who turned out to be the woman's husband, burst into the room and put an end to the robbery. The attacker fled from the hotel room and left the parking lot. This crime scene was familiar to the other two, but luckily was interrupted before it could go too far. Warwick, Rhode Island is about 50 miles outside of Boston. Although the locations were different, the rest of the crime scene was similar enough that investigators from Boston considered this to be the third crime committed by the same person. By April 16th, police were able to put a name to their potential suspect. Through emails, they were able to identify the same man had emailed both Trisha and Jalissa to meet up at a hotel. Further, cell phone activity corroborated that this man was at the hotels at the time of both crimes. And finally, investigators were able to place the suspect at the scene with hotel security camera footage. The suspect in the Boston robberies was 23-year-old Philip Markoff, and the description of the suspect in the Rhode Island robbery matched Philip as well and police were able to place him in the area at the time of the attack. Philip was under surveillance while police gathered more evidence to build their case and confidently link him to all three crime scenes. On April 20th, four days after the last attack, Philip and his fiancée Megan left their home in Boston for a trip to the Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. Visits to the Foxwoods Casino were routine for Philip, and he would have to travel on Highway 95 and pass through Warwick, Rhode Island to get there. Police tailed Philip and Megan as they drove. When they realized that they were about to cross state lines and leave their jurisdiction, the police decided to pull them over and take them into the station for questioning. 
Philip Markoff was born on February 12, 1986. At the time of his arrest, he was 23 years old. He was raised in Syracuse, New York, and reportedly always did well in school. He graduated high school with a high GPA and attended college in Albany, New York as a pre-med student. He received good grades in college as well, and those who knew him mentioned that he was a bright student who was very driven to succeed. They also said that they had a hard time reconciling the Philip that they believed that they knew with the one who was arrested. He graduated in 2007 and immediately enrolled in Boston University's School of Medicine. It was in Albany that he met Megan McAllister, another pre-med student who was two years ahead of him. Megan was originally from New Jersey, and she was out of town visiting her family frequently. Eventually, the two became engaged and moved in together in an apartment in Boston. Their wedding was planned for August 14, 2009, and at the time they were pulled over, it was just a few months away. Another thing a lot of people mentioned about Philip was that he was an avid gambler. While completing his undergrad, he was known to particularly enjoy poker and played it frequently. According to a friend, even in these casual games, Philip ended up losing a significant amount of money and was in some debt as a result. While living in Boston, Philip frequented the Foxwoods Casino, and that was where he was headed when he and Megan were pulled over. It was speculated that he may have had some issues with gambling and debt as a result of his frequent visits to the Foxwoods. The transcripts of the initial interviews are available online, and I will link them for you on the website. Through the transcripts, you gather that the police pulled the car over for what Megan and Philip originally believed was a traffic violation. They ended up at the station because the police said that they wanted to ask some questions about, quote, some things that had gone on in the area. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Philip was advised of his rights, and actually they spent a lot of time going back and forth about that. One of your rights is that you have the right to an attorney, and Philip kept asking for the police to get one for him. 
They kept declining, saying that they would allow him to find one, but they don't actually provide attorneys for people who are being questioned. It seemed like Philip did not want to speak to the police without an attorney present, but he eventually agreed to listen to what the police had to say alone, without representation. They asked him if he had heard about what was happening at hotels in Back Bay, and he replied that he had not. He said that he and many people his age don't keep up with the news, so he had not heard that the city feared that someone was preying on young women in hotel rooms. They also asked if he had been in a hotel in Back Bay recently, to which Philip replied that he could not recall. He didn't say, no, he had not been in one. He said he simply could not remember. Detectives asked if he had been in any hotel recently, and once again, Philip said that he could not remember. Then Philip told the investigators that maybe he walked into the lobbies of hotels, but he was not in any of the rooms. When the police asked why he would walk into the lobby of hotels around Back Bay, Philip did not have an explanation. Reading that, I couldn't help but wonder if Philip realized that he was probably on security footage from the hotel lobbies, and he was trying to create a reasonable explanation for why he was at the scene but not involved with the crimes. Unfortunately for him, this admission did not help his case. It was just another bizarre instance that Philip was unable to explain. Philip's interview went on to cover his home life, med school, and his social life. He had been living with his fiance in their Boston apartment for the last year or so. Neither of them had jobs at the time, because Philip was a full-time student, and Megan was in between jobs and about to start med school herself. Their apartment was in a nicer area, and detectives questioned how they were able to afford it. It wasn't ostentatious by any means, but detectives were quick to point out that their lifestyle appeared to be funded by student loans, and Philip had a penchant for gambling. Philip's interview quickly drew to a close when detectives showed him stills from the hotel's security cameras and pointed out the physical similarities between the man in the photo and Philip. Towards the end, the interview tactics switched and detectives really put pressure on Philip. Here is a clip from the interview. So no specific memory, no hassles with any girls whatsoever, not in the... Western Hotel, the Marriott Hotel, no problems, no problems. What does that mean? I already answered this. Okay, and again, I just because Four the times. tape doesn't pick it up, that's why I asked it once again. Um, the car that you're driving, is that listed to you? No, it's listed to my father. Your father's car. Do you have a second vehicle as well? No. No? Um, is there anything that you can tell us that might help us in, in what I'm asking you about? I don't think so. All right. and, and again, I'm, we're kind of at a loss here because you have absolutely no clue, according to you, about uh, what's been going on in and around the city of Boston regarding women who've been assaulted. Correct? No clue. Yeah, I haven't been. 
No clue. Never seen anything in the paper. No, that's that's true. That's true. Never seen anything in the paper. Never seen anything in the news in the last couple of no, days. No, I really don't watch them. The Your news. girlfriend would not have brought it to your attention. Jeez, look at this. I just saw, you know, the, no, nothing. I don't really watch talking about. So no conversations with anything with anybody in your circle of travel no. that may have mentioned as to what's going on here, right? Um, what about outside the city of Boston? Any any hotels other than Foxwoods that you may have visited lately? No, other than Foxwoods. No, other than Foxwoods. Have you been in Rhode Island at all lately? Well, I go through Rhode Island. Okay, do you stop? Have you stopped going through Rhode Island at a hotel at all? Maybe to get gas. Okay, at a hotel? At a hotel? Yeah. You wouldn't get gas at a hotel. Well, that's what I asked. Have you stopped? I don't think so. On the way through? You don't think so? You don't think you're at a hotel in Rhode Island? I don't think so. Okay, you seem to be getting a little frustrated. Yeah, but you keep getting asking me the same question. Well, I moved on from the Weston, and I moved on from the Marriott, and now I'm in the state of Rhode Island. You say that you go to Foxwoods all the time, and I'm just asking if maybe you stopped into a hotel in Rhode Island. Maybe, I don't know. Okay. Um, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think I'm going with all this? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Talk to me for a minute. Instead of answering all the questions, tell me what your thoughts are. Tell me what you feel right now, because you seem to be getting a little frustrated with me. And I can understand. I can understand where you're coming from. But, Phil, let me say this to you, okay? If, in fact, you are the guy in the photographs, that's one thing. Because you could just be simply that guy passing through the hotel, passing through the lobby, somebody that's out with your girlfriend at the Cheesecake Factory, walking through, going to a parking lot to get in your car to go home could be that simple. But it also could be the guy who just left a hotel room where something went awry, and you're leaving there, and you are a suspect who has a story to be told. Whatever happened in the hotel room, that speaks to a certain set of facts. If you happen to be the guy that's leaving that hotel room and is picked up on surveillance cameras, you may have another piece of that story. And you could just throw that on the table right now. And that may explain things. Or you could be, as we said, just simply that guy passing through. But is it more than a coincidence if you're that guy who just happened to pass through the Westin, Westin Hotel? And again, maybe that same guy who passes through the Marriott the same guy who maybe passes through a hotel in, in, in Warwick? It could be. It could be, because it seems that maybe these are things you do. But it could also be more than that. And it could be something that, you know, who knows what happens. Maybe some girls are pissed at you. Maybe whatever's going on, whatever your thing is, maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows? Unless you throw it out there, if that's you, the guy that's actually been in some of those rooms with some of these females, Maybe they, uh, you know, are trying to set you up or something. Who knows? Unless you tell us. I clearly don't know because I wasn't there. But if you say you're simply the guy that may have passed through, you don't even have a clear memory to be able to tell me that. You know? You do seem to frequent Foxwoods because you seem to go down there a lot, according to yourself, right? Is there any other reason other than just maybe I passed through? Do you have a thing? Do you hook up with girls? that you meet and you just don't want Megan to know about it, which is perfectly understandable. Over the years, a lot of times, guys sitting there, they want to tell a story, but they don't want to jeopardize 
relationships. They don't want to ruin an engagement. They don't want to end up in divorce court uh, because they have these things for, uh, you know, they have a girlfriend on the side or something. So that may prevent them from being completely honest. And something like that, that's, that's like a barrier in this business. If it's that simple, and that's what throws me off, you know, then trust me, the thing to do is just to be honest and throw it out there and explain why this is going on. Explain why you're sitting here in the homicide unit, uh, you know, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There's an expla explanation for everything, you know. Things happen for a reason, Philip. We can't have back what happened, but we can make it right. And how do we make it right? Just by being honest. Just by being honest. When we start dancing around the truth, that's why things get all kind of discombobulated. And you kind of look at me, you get frustrated. Hey, I answered that already. And that's what happens when you're dancing around the truth. I think you know. I think you know that you may have been in some of these places. I think you know that. But you're just not clear as to how you want to tell me. You know? And the best thing to do when the shit hits the fan, as I said earlier also, is just to man up. Look, at this is, hap this is what happened, but this is why it happened. That's not who I am. I didn't do those things. This is what actually happened. This is my story. I'm not a stupid little shit. I know what happened, and I know why it happened. And I can make it right by just being honest. That honesty is the key to, you know, just move forward, and it opens up all those different doors when you're honest with yourself. And it actually, the honesty is what explains our behavior. Without honesty... One-sided stories can be pretty ugly, can be real ugly, because all we have is the evidence at the scene, and that scene can be ugly and can speak to, it can speak to ugliness without this answer over here. You follow me? Again, you just nod, and the tape doesn't pick that up. I'm sorry. Sure, I'm following you. You're following me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, yes, let's well If we have, if we have an incident in the in the Western Hotel, and some girl is there and she's irate and she's pissed because of this and because of that. That's her version. And the same if you move on to the next girl and to the next girl. But there was somebody else that was there, some person that left, some person that's walking through the lobby afterwards who has a story to be told. And Philip, if you are that person, I can tell you now's the time to just to be completely forthright and give you a version. Because left untold, it doesn't look good. You know? If, we, if that evidence has to speak for itself, that speaks to, 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 to ugliness. You know? It's not easy, Philip. And things happen, stuff happens, but we can make it right. And fall back to when we you know, brought up little lies turn into to, to big lies, and big lies turns into you know, big bags of, 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 of shit, so to speak, you know. But if we step up, speak from the heart, hey, okay, listen, nobody ever meant for things to go the way they went, but this is what happened. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was, maybe you were provoked, or maybe, you know, things, things got ugly and, and you were a victim here at some point, you know. But who knows, unless you speak up. Who knows? Who will ever know? Right now, we're left with one side of the table, one set of facts. 
I'm just uh, asking you, Philip, if you, you know, can find it in yourself to, to man up and step up. If that's you that's beyond that casual stroll through the hotel, to speak to it, to speak to what might have happened, what might have went wrong. Because it's happening. It's happening. And I think uh, you deserve it to yourself just to step up and, and lay it on the table. You know? It is what it is. There's no making it right. But we can end it with the truth. You know? And explain, put a justification to why it happened. And I'm going to ask you, Philip, the first incident that I spoke to in the Western Hotel, a girl was robbed. Did you have anything to do with that? No. Well, I just answered you. There was a girl in a hotel room that was tied up and robbed in the Westin. That's her story. Were you in that room that night? I didn't tie up and rob anyone. But the truth. You know? And explain, put a justification to why it happened. I'm going to ask you, Philip, the first incident that I spoke to in the Western Hotel, a girl was robbed. Did you have anything to do with that? No. Philip? Well, I just answered you. There was a girl in a hotel room that was tied up and robbed in the Western. That's her story. Were you in that room that night? I didn't tie up and rob anyone. didn't tie up and rob Megan was also questioned by the police at the same time as Philip. Her interview focused more on her life with Philip as police tried to gather as much information as they could from her. From her interview, it seems like Megan had no idea what Philip was up to. She mentioned that she was frequently out of town visiting her family and that she would be gone for days and sometimes weeks at a time. She was also preparing to start med school and planning their wedding, which at this point was just four months away. She said that she always felt that Philip was open with her, so she wasn't really looking into him hiding anything and didn't notice any suspicious or questionable behavior. They discussed Philip's gambling, but Megan insisted that he did not lose more than he had on him when he arrived at the casino. She said yes, he liked to gamble, but he would not jeopardize their finances for it. Detectives asked her if she recognized the man in the still photos from the security footage. She said that a couple of pictures resembled Philip, but she did not positively identify him. Investigators also laid out the events surrounding the crimes and how Philip was a suspect because he fit into the timeline at each scene. They told her that essentially they were just following where the investigation took them, and it happened to take them right to Philip. When asked if she had heard about the recent attacks on women at hotels, she said that her mom had called her and warned her about them and urged her not to go into these hotels until the crimes were solved. 
towards the end of her interview, detectives asked Megan if she had any reason to fear Philip. She told them that she was not scared of him and that she had no reason to be. According to Megan, Philip did not seem like he could possibly be the person responsible for these crimes. After the interview, Philip was arrested and charged with robbery and murder for the attacks on Trisha and Jalissa. Two weeks later, investigators in Rhode Island filed an arrest warrant for Philip for the attack at the Holiday Inn. A search of Philip's apartment turned up a gun that matched the shell casings left behind at Julissa's crime scene, in plastic handcuffs matching all three crime scenes. Detectives also found women's underwear inside of a copy of a medical textbook that had been hollowed out. I feel like it was suggested that Philip's gambling debts were a motivating factor for the robbery aspects of the crimes. I don't know how realistic that is, because based on the victim profile, there's no guarantee that she would be carrying a large amount of cash on her. As I previously mentioned, if these crimes were purely about robbery, this just isn't the smartest way to go about it because he could be so easily identified. Maybe he hoped that because they were engaged in something potentially illegal, the victims would be less likely to report the crime to the police. Luckily, Trisha reported what happened to her, so investigators were able to draw a connection when Julissa's body was found. But when it comes down to it, only Philip knows the true motivation behind his crimes and why he chose the victims that he did. Initially, Megan was supportive of Philip, believing that his arrest was a misunderstanding. She sent email statements to media outlets defending the man that she believed that she knew. As more evidence came out, Megan understandably distanced herself from Philip. Their upcoming wedding was called off in late April. Their wedding website was mentioned in multiple news articles and eventually taken down. On June 11th, an article in the Star-Ledger noted that Megan's attorney released a statement that she was leaving town to attend medical school. She had visited Philip and told him, quote, it would be a long time, if ever, before she would see him again. Around the same time, Philip entered a plea of not guilty, and he was held without bail awaiting trial. His family was not present at this arraignment. While in jail waiting for trial, Philip made several suicide attempts. His first attempt was just a few days after he was arrested. After that, he was placed on suicide watch. Philip tried to kill himself again after Megan called off their wedding. And then on August 15, 2010, Philip was found dead in his cell in Boston, where he was still awaiting trial. Had he not been arrested, this would have been his first wedding anniversary. In his cell, on the table, he had displayed pictures of Megan. Philip had used a makeshift knife to write Megan's name on the wall in his own blood. Jail guards found him lying in his bed with a plastic bag over his head, covered by his bedsheet. 
They had grown concerned when Philip wasn't out of bed at the regular time that morning. In light of the news of Philip's death, the prosecutor released the following statement. The Brisman family has been deprived of a judgment rendered, as well as the chance to tell the court and Mr. Markoff of the immense pain that he has inflicted on them. And that wraps up the show for this week. Thank you for listening. For more information on this episode, visit the website misconductpodcast.com. You'll find links to source material and further reading on this episode and more information about misconduct. If you want to get this episode ad-free, then check out my Patreon. And thank you to all of our existing Patreon supporters you help make this show possible. If you have a second, head on over to my social media pages and let me know what you think about this week's episode and share your thoughts and opinions with other listeners. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MisconductPod. If you have a case that you would like to see covered, I have a case submission tab on my website. You can find a link to it in the show notes, and I really like taking suggestions from listeners, so if you submit a case, I will do my best to cover it on a future episode. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.